This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I want you to take your Bibles and go to the book of Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15 tonight. I'm going to end this, well I say I'm going to end it, I've been trying to end it now for three weeks on the prodigal son. But tonight I want to preach to you and, and I hope it will help somebody. I, I've had two or three of you in mind while I've been preparing this and praying over this. The question I want to answer tonight, what will it take to bring your prodigal home? In the book of Luke chapter number 15, I'm not going to read a lot of these verses. We've read them, we've, we've, we've pondered them the last four or five Sundays. But what is it going to take to bring the prodigal home? The Bible says in Luke chapter 15, verse number 20, the Bible says this phrase, And he arose. You see, there was a day when the prodigal came to himself and said, I'm done with this. I'm ready to go back home. And he arose. There was a day when he said, I'm done with this far country. And he arose. There was a day when he said, I'm done with these foreign citizens, and he arose. There was a day when he said, I'm ready to go back to my daddy's house, and he arose. Now, beloved, we have looked at the theological implications. How that this is a picture of God the Father. How it is a picture of a wayward sinner. How it is a picture of somebody who is self-righteous like the elder brother. We have looked at the national implications. You have God the Father as the Father. You have the Gentile nation as the prodigal son. And then you have the nation of Israel that never left the Father's house, but they did not have the Father's heart. But tonight I'm looking at the practical implications. You see, this is a real story. And it is a real story about a real father. And that real father had a real son that went astray. And that real son that went astray lived a real bad way. And after he got done living a real bad way, he came back and they had a real reunion. And at that real reunion, there was real joy. Now tonight the question is asked, all right, I have a prodigal. Now, it may not be a prodigal son. It may be a daughter. It may be a family member. It may be a husband or a wife or something like that. And you and I will sit here and say, okay, I hear you. I see you. I trust that you know what you're talking about. I just don't know that it's going to happen for me. I'm going to give you two truths right quick. I just want you to put them in your mind, put them in your Bible. Here are the two truths. Number one, never forget this. No one is too far gone. There is not a person in this world that is too far out there in the dread sway of sin that Jesus Christ cannot rescue them. You and I cannot preach a powerful blood if it cannot save anybody. You and I cannot preach a supernatural God that cannot go and get anybody. You and I do not have a God if we have this God that we say is everywhere if He will not go everywhere. And you and I cannot preach about a God that knows 
knows all things if he does not know how to get anybody that is out there and deal with them. And I want to encourage somebody right now, right here in this place, online, wherever you're going to watch this under the sound of my voice, there is nobody in your life, no family member, no friend, no loved one, no spouse, no husband, no wife, no child, nobody, ain't no how. If I knew other languages, I would say it in other languages, nada, nunca, niente, none whatsoever. There is nobody that is too far out there that the blood of Jesus Christ cannot redeem them and rescue them and pull them back in. Number two, there is not only no one that's too far gone. Number two, there is no one that Jesus doesn't care about. Listen, we have this thing in our churches where we know that he cares about their people. And we know he cares about their people. And we know he cares about the preacher's people. You understand, God cares just as much about your people as he does about my people. God cares just as much about your prodigal son, daughter, husband, or wife as he does anybody else's son, daughter, husband, or wife. You see, we've got this idea, I know he can, but will he for me? Listen to me right now. There is a God in heaven that is attuned to your prayers just as he is attuned to my prayers. You know the difference between somebody that gets their prayers answered and somebody who has yet to see God really move in their life? That person over there is not living a better, special way. They have just hooked into the fact that there is a God in heaven that will hear and answer their prayer, and they pray in faith knowing that God cares about them. Listen, God cares about everybody in this room. Everybody in this room is loved by God, cared cared for by God, just as equally as anybody else in this room. Aaron, I don't know how y'all got the spit zone tonight, but I'm glad y'all are up here. And everybody, there's nobody, nobody. I can't explain that. I'm talking about you that are brand new members of this church, you that have been members of this church since it started, you that are deacons and you that are not deacons, you that are preachers and you that are not preachers, you that are just single, you that are married, you that are divorced, you that are divorced five, six, seven times. It doesn't matter. Jesus cares about every single single one of us in every aspect of our lives just as much as he does anybody else. You've got to keep that in the back of your head as you pray and seek the face of God. Now here's the thing. I'm going to give you six things tonight. I'm going to spend three minutes on each of the six things. We're getting out of here before 7 o'clock. That is my determination. I probably will not hit it, but I started out with good intention. Say amen right there. Here's what I want to give you. Six different things that you're going to have to do in order to get your prodigal back home. Preacher, what's it going to take for my prodigal to come back home? Are you ready? Number one, it's going to take time. It's going to take time. It's going to take T-I-M-E time. I like to put it like this, and I thought about making this a part of my outline. But the only way that your prodigals ever go home is when, get home is when you break your watch. How many times do we start gauging things? God, it's been six months. God, it's been a year. God, it's been two years. God, it's been five years. You understand, God ain't interested in time, and God ain't interested in your watch. Is God doesn't operate how you want Him to operate. He doesn't get people in church when you want Him to get in church. He doesn't move in your family's life when you want Him to move in your family's life. You've got to understand, it's going to take time. You say, how do you know it took time in this story? We're not told how long the prodigal was gone. We got this idea that he left today and he came back tomorrow. We know two things happened. Number one, we knew there was time for that calf to get fat. You see, whenever a calf was born, it was dedicated for a purpose. So here's what happened. That boy left. 
Within the next birthing period, that calf was born. And you know what the daddy said? The daddy said, that calf right there, I want him set apart. And I'm going to use that cow when my boy comes back home. And so the fattening process happened. Listen, you don't get fat overnight. Yeah, talk to me now. Don't y'all sit there and look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't get fat overnight. You don't lose weight overnight. It takes time. Cows don't get fat overnight. It took what? Time. You know how else we know there was a lot of time between the time he left and the time he came back? Because when the prodigal left, the Bible says, he said, separate to me my portion of the inheritance. If the daddy gave him half of the inheritance, listen, if you had a million dollars today and you wrote a check for $500,000 today, here's what you know. You're half a million dollars poorer today than you were yesterday, right? But when the son came home, they had enough money to feed the entire town at that party. Therefore, that daddy had time to build that checkbook back up. You know what that means? It took time for that boy. Listen, it takes time for God to work. I love what Daniel Buchanan tells us all the time. God is not interested in time. God is interested in timing. I got to thinking about those husks down in the far country. Baby love, it says that he would have filled his belly with husk. You know what that was? That's the old corn stalks. It was those husks that got his attention. You know what that means? There had to be a day when those husks weren't husks, but they were corn cobs. And if they were corn cobs on somebody's table, you know what that meant? There was a day when they were out in the field. And if they were out in the field, there was a day that they were growing on the stalk. And if they were growing on the stalk, there was a day when that seed got put in the ground. And if that seed got put in the ground, it meant one day it was a part of another corn stalk. You know what that meant? There was a process that took place. You see, right now, what you don't see is that God is lining up seeds. And God is lining up pathways. And God is lining up opportunities. And God is lining up things. Because our God is not in the checker business. Our God is a chess player. And he moves plays so that when him and the devil get down to the end of it, he can look at the devil. God doesn't say check. God's a checkmate kind of God. When it finally comes, he calls checkmate and it's over. But you know what that takes? Time. You say, what do I do in the meantime? You ready? Live your life. How many mamas and daddies spend their lives when a prodigal goes astray, stressed and broken and shattered and unable to live? You know what this daddy did? This daddy went back to work. He started rebuilding that farm. He started rebuilding that inheritance. He started rebuilding things. So, Lord God, I just thought about this. He started rebuilding things because he knew the day would come that his son who had messed up would come back home. And his son that would come back home would need a farm to work on. So you know what he did? He got back to work. You know the best thing a mom and a daddy can do whose son have gone out in the world, daughter's gone out in the world, your husband or wife's gone out in the world, living like the devil. You know the best thing you can do? Live for Jesus today. Live for Jesus this moment. Live your life. Go eat your supper. Go out and eat your lunch. Every time you bow your head, bow your head and say, Oh God, I have not forgotten about them, but here's what I'm telling you. Even though I may fear, I may forget about them, there ain't no way the God in heaven can forget about them. The reason we sulk and mope and whine and moan is there something down deep inside of us that says if I hurt enough it'll get God's attention you got God's attention the first time you prayed about it so you know what you need to do live your life I got a prodigal that's astray what do I need to do live your life love your God lead the rest of them that are still at the house 
Can you imagine what that farm would look like, Aaron, if that daddy would have just thrown his hands up and said, eh, I got a boy out in the world. He had farm hands. He had hired servants. He had another brother. You know what he did? He said, I am going to live my life, and I'm going to honor my God, and I'm going to believe that he's coming home. But in order for the prodigal to come home, it's going to take a broken watch. It's going to take time. Number two, the second thing it's going to take for your prodigal to come home is it's going to take the souring of the far country. Man, there was a day. There was a day. There was a moment, there was an hour when that boy in that far country, he loved the corn in that far country. He loved the hogs in that far country. He loved everything about that far country. Man, he loved the wine. He loved the women. He loved the way of life. He loved everything about it. But there was also a day when he was down in the mud and he was down in the muck. He was down in the mess. He was down in the dread sway. And he said, I'm done with this mess right here. I'm not messing with that corn on the ground. I'm not messing with these hogs anymore. There was a day when he ate bacon and he ate pork, but he said, I don't want that pig anymore. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Long before he left the house, his father was down on his knees and said, Oh God, let the far country sour in his mouth. Let the far country sour in his mind. Some of you right now, instead of saying, God, bring them back, God ain't going to violate their free will. You know what they have? They have a choice. Do you know what you need to pray? God, if they're going to drink alcohol, make the alcohol bitter in their mouth. God, if they're going to dope, let them dope so much and don't let them get high. God, if they're going to live with that woman, they're going to shack up with that man, let it all fall apart. God, if they're going to go take that job and it is not your will, God, I'm praying right now. Every day from now till they go, they'll have flat tires. Whatever it takes, this is what I need you to do. God, make the far country sour. How many times have we prayed, oh God, go get them. Oh God, bring them back. God ain't going to bring them back. That's not the way God operates. God will not make you do anything. God ain't in the making you do business. God's in the making you want to do business. Can I ask y'all a question? How many of y'all are new to the church? You're new within the last five years. Just slip your hand up. Okay. Those of you that are here new in the last five years. I got some of you in here. Five years ago this time, you didn't even go to church. (laughs) You... If somebody would have told you you'd be in church on Sunday night, you'd have looked at them and said, you crazy. What happened? I've been here 10 years. You didn't just light on to me. You know what happened? Something started changing in your mind. Something started changing in the back of your head. Something started changing in your heart. You know what that was? That was the God of heaven making that far country sour. Making that lifestyle sour. Making those things you used to run to sour. Some of you right now need to get on your knees when you pray every day for your prodigal. Don't ask God to bring them home. You know what you need to say, God? If they're going to be down in the far country, let all the corn fall off the cob and give them nothing but husk. Make the wine, make the beer, make the alcohol, make the pigs as sour as possible. Make the far country sour. Number three, you know what you need to do if you're going to get your, far co- your, your child home, your prodigal home? You can't just have the souring of the far country. But number three, 
You need to build bridges, not walls. Build bridges, not walls. What does that mean? Well, I could not help but wonder. Now, you've got to understand Jewish culture, all right? In Jewish culture, when a boy left like he left and wrote his daddy off, do you know what they would do? They would shake the dust toward that son. And you know what it was saying? Let any remembrance of you leave my mind. You know what that would be like saying? You're dead to me. That's what, the, that's what a normal Jewish father would have done. He would have said, you are dead to me. What made that boy down in the far country ever think, I can go back home? Whatever went through his mind, he'd already told his daddy, you're dead to me. Every Jewish father would have said, you're dead to me. What made him think, I can go back home? I got a wild imagination. Y'all know that. You know what I think? I can't prove it, but I think this is what I call King Tyler theology. Here's what I think. I'll call it the King Tyler version is what I'll call it right here. Here's what I think. I think as that prodigal son was leaving the daddy's house and was running down to the far country, kicking up dust as fast as he could, I believe that daddy was on that front porch saying, Son, you can come back home when you're ready. I believe when he got down there in that far country, I can't prove it. I believe that daddy sent some of those hired servants down there and found him and said, Your daddy said you can come back back home when you are ready. I can't prove it, but I believe when that daddy was a merchant, maybe he was selling cows, selling calves down there at the market at the far country. He sent those hired servants and he said, you make sure you go tell that little boy of mine that he's welcome to come back home anytime. You know what that daddy did? That daddy didn't build a wall. He built a bridge. You know what that difference between a wall and a bridge is? Back in Bible days, they were made out of the same thing. They were made out of stone and they were made out of metal. Here's the difference. A wall is something you make somebody climb in order to get over. It requires work. It's the way of saying this. Well, if you're going to come back to me, you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to do this and you got to do that. Honey, the very fact that they've repented before a holy God ought to be enough reason for us to say, come back to the family. You know what that daddy did? He built a bridge instead of building a wall. I can't help but wonder if down in the muck and mire, down in the sin, down in, the, down in all that hog slop. I can't help but wonder if that boy said, I wonder if my daddy still wants me to come back home. And he rose and he went back to his father. And when he looked, you know what he saw? He saw a bridge and not a wall. There are people in this church right now, people that will watch us online right now, couldn't tell you the last time they spoke to a child. Couldn't tell you the last time they spoke to that wayward whatever it is. And listen to me now. I don't doubt that what they did was bad. I won't argue with you that it was rough. But can I ask you a question? What they did to you is it worse than what we did to Jesus? And yet he still called your name. You see, the devil wants you to build a wall. 
I didn't say you got to go to the far country where they're at. You stay at your house. Stay in your standards. Stay in your ways. But let them know you're welcome to come back home. You're welcome to come back into fellowship with me anytime. Build bridges and not walls. Let me give you another one. Don't just build bridges and not walls. Here's something else you need to do. If the prodigal's going to come back home, you've got to have the blessing upon the Father's house. Time out now. Time out. Where am I getting that from? Well, do you remember what happened down in the far country? The Bible says there was a famine. And in fact, it doesn't just say there was a famine. It said there was a great famine. But yet, when the prodigal got back home, you know what he found? Anything but a famine. He found a fat calf. You don't have to study archaeology and meteorology and histology and any other ologies I make up while I'm talking to understand. I think histology is something at the Cone Hospital. Don't, don't go study that. It don't take a rocket scientist to figure out cows don't get fat in famines unless the father's house while everybody else was in a famine the blessing of God had fallen on the father's house. You know what you need? You need God to so pour out his spirit upon your family so that they have something that they can look to. Can you imagine down in the hog pen if that boy would have said, well, I can't, ain't no need to go back home to my daddy. They're in no better shape than I'm in. You know what he said? My daddy's got the blessing of God on his life. And I want to get back home. Mamas and daddies that have prodigals and you have grandchildren that are prodigals, the very best thing you can do every day is say, God, pour out your peace on my life. Pour out your blessing on my life. Pour out your anointing on my life. Pour out your power on my life. God, pour in me, through me, and by me something that makes them want to come back to me. Give me something that they don't have. I hesitate to tell this story, but I was thinking about it yesterday while I was praying. There's only about two or three preachers that I just, whatever they say, I will listen to. One of those men is Brother Joe Arthur. I, I, the boy's known me since I was a, a little, the brother's known me since I was just a little boy. And, and I said one time, Brother Joe, I said, how do you keep your kids? How do you keep your kids from going wild and going astray. He said, there's two ways that I've kept my kids from going astray. Number one, their mama. He said, I chalk up everything good in my kids' lives to my wife. He said, but I learned a lesson. Number two, he said, I spoiled them rotten. And I thought, man, my like sarcastic, hypocritical, Baptist kind of way, I thought, that is the dumbest thing you can ever do for a child. That's what Brother Joe said. Brother Joe said, this is why I do it, son. He said, I'm out here preaching and serving God. I'm out here working. I'm out here going. He said, I want them to equate blessings with serving God. 
And I've processed that now. This may not apply specifically in your situation. But here's what you need to say. God put something in my life that the world cannot give my prodigal child. Put something on my life, on my heart, in my life that they can't get out there. God, I want the blessing of God on my house. Now let me get another one, all right? I'm going to tell you something else you're going to have to have if your prodigal's going to come back home. You ready for this one? You're going to need a big eraser. A big eraser. Now listen, I didn't count them all the way up, but do you know how many commandments that boy had broken? Honor thy father and thy mother. Broken. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Broken. Covet not your... Just commandment after commandment. He had done enough. He had done so much. Here's what he said as he's walking back home. He said, I will arise. I will go back to my father's house. And I will say, Daddy, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. As he's walking down the way and he sees his daddy, you know what he says? Well, I guess here we go. Let him rehearse everything I've done. Let him rehearse everything I've said. Let me go ahead and get the beating out of the way so I don't have to deal with it anymore. I wonder how many times when I go down to the synagogue, they're going to remind me how bad I've been. I wonder how many times when I go down to the house of God they're going to tell me how messed up I am and he sees his daddy his daddy runs and catches him and he says this he said father he said I'm no more worthy to be he couldn't even get five words into his speech and the daddy while the boy was worried about his speech the daddy was getting his robe together while he was worried about repentance the daddy was already working on restoration here's what the daddy did the daddy said son the moment you came back home all of that was gone. Listen, if it's under the blood, that's where it needs to stay. Be very careful. Time out. Can I, I got some more timeouts tonight. Time out. Be very careful being around people who only want to bring up yesterday. And I'm talking very careful. And when I say very careful, I mean you need to leave as soon as you see them careful. Because if it's under the blood, if God don't think about it, why are they? If God ain't pondering it, why are they? I thought we're supposed to have the mind of God. I, spoke, I thought we're supposed to have the heart of God. And if God in His mind and God in His heart ain't thinking about it, and they are, guess whose mind and heart they have? Mm, that made somebody nervous. Listen to me now. Whenever your prodigal come back home, comes back home, the best thing you can do is forget about yesterday. Don't talk about yesterday. Don't bring up yesterday. If it's ever brought up, look at him and say, you know what, honey? I just want you to know that's under the blood, and today's a new day. Now get your robe, get your ring, get your shoes. We got a party to go to. Don't let them tell you about yesterday. Don't let them live in that guilt. You say, we got the church to go to. We got things to go to. We got a lot of making up to do. Let God erase all of that. Don't be bringing that mess back. Back up. Let me give you this last thing you're going to have to have in order for the prodigal to come back home. We're going to get out in just three minutes. Say amen right there. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're going to let that prodigal come back home, the last thing you're going to have to have. Are you ready for this one? This is the hardest one of them all. You're going to have to have thick skin and a resolute heart. Thick skin and a resolute heart. You say, where do you get that from? Well, 
The prodigal comes back home. And here comes this older brother walking out. And this is what he says. Daddy! What are you doing? You ain't never killed no cow for me. That's a lie. Every single year at the three festivals, they would kill fatted calves. Daddy, you shouldn't do it like that. But the daddy never changed his mind. He said, this is what I'm doing for this boy. Can I tell you something? Isn't it amazing? In your, or maybe I'm the only one like this. Is, is anybody else have those people in your life who know everything you ought to do for everything in your life, but their life is a pile of nothing? Man, they got an opinion about everything in your life. Well, I'll tell you right now. If that was me, I'll tell you right now. If that was me, I'll tell you right now. If I was there, I'll tell you right now. If she said that to me, I'll tell you right now. If that was my boy, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. You don't need to listen to those kind of people that say, I'll tell you what I would do. This is what you need to listen to. You need to listen to those people in your life that say, let me tell you what I did. And this is how it turned out. There's going to be a lot of people when your prodigal comes back home that try to get in that ear. But you've got to have a thick skin and a resolute heart to say this. I know what God's told me to do. And I'm not changing for anybody. Nobody. Can I help you right here? I don't know any other way to put this, but I hope this will encourage you. Those people in your life that want to tell you what you should do when you did not ask them what, you, what they thought you should do, do not listen to those kind of people. You know why? Because you'll find the people that have walked through hell and come out on the other side are very quiet about it. And people who have never really experienced fire are awful quick to talk about it. <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but when has that ever stopped me? <laughs> we, were, we were doing some stuff at the house, and, and there's something about buying an old house. It gives you a lot to think about. Like, for instance, when you tear sheetrock off, and there's exposed open live wires. It sits there and makes you think. I wonder why they did that. You know, I'm sitting there and I've got an electrician licensed and insured for those of you that will turn me in. And Darren, there's this open wire stuck out of my wall. Just as exposed as it can be. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm not an electrician. But I know that ain't right. And this, this wire. And that electrician. Is, he's like, now don't touch that. I said, oh, that ain't going to hurt you. He said, no, don't, don't touch that preacher. You know, your church might be a little upset if, if something happens to you. And, and they know. I, I said, oh, don't worry about it. And I wasn't even thinking, Austin. And I walked past it. Pow! 
son, my head looked like Phyllis Diller. No. None of that has anything to do with the message. Just this point. Those people who have been popped before are awful careful about grabbing stuff. But whippersnappers who ain't never been through nothing, ain't never dealt with nothing, they're not really nervous and afraid about anything. Apply this in your life. Those people in your life that have always got an opinion about everything are probably people who have never been through anything. Your prodigal will come back home, but it's going to take you having a thick skin and a resolute heart. Hallelujah.